Welcome to Beyond the Pink Cloud, the podcast where we talk about moving forward in our lives through recovery and navigating the world with grace, ease, and humor. We've got tools and strategies from the experts to help you live with less stress and increased ease. Let's get into today's episode. Thanks for hanging out with me again for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is a great episode with Karen O'Connor, and uh, we're going to talk about menopause and perimenopause. And if any of that frightens you, (laughs) then hang out because Karen is a a great person to learn from on this topic. And she's got a podcast called From Motherhood to Menopause, and she has a lot of wonderful stories to share from her own life and from the lives of some of her guests on the show. And she's a very funny woman, very down to earth and vivacious. And so she's, she brings a lot of humor to a topic that can be, you know, less than humorous. So I think you'll enjoy it. Karen's a lot of fun. Welcome to February as well. This is my birthday month, so I'm a big fan of February. We've got a a movement focus happening this month in the Self-Love Project. Next week, we're going to do a little uh, belly dancing class. So if you'd like to come in for that, please join the group. There's a link in the show where you can join. And we're really just focused on bringing joy back into movement, you know, and how can we move in our bodies in a way that feels pleasant for us and invites joy and invites goodness into our bodies. And we're really moving without any other agenda other than just to check it out, see how it is to move. How can we feel pleasant as we move in our bodies? So that's our February focus for the self-love project. And the other thing I'll mention is I just did a free training on self-trust, really with the viewpoint of some practical strategies of implementing and growing and building more self-trust in your life. So if you'd like to check that out, it's on my website. It's just a free little 20-minute training. I have a little slideshow presentation I go through and, and we do a short practice. There's some good information in there and it gives you a really nice foundation about three different ways you can approach building self-trust and and things that you can start doing today. If you know me at all, I, I really do love practical strategies and things that we can implement right now today that aren't overwhelming and that are really doable for all of us. And since I've been thinking a lot about this topic of self-trust, I have been asking myself, what does it mean for me to trust myself? And what does this mean for my life? And It really makes life a lot easier because there's a lot less back and forth. There's a lot less second guessing. It just feels easier. So I, I wish that for everyone. And if any of my tools work for you, then please have Adam use them, spread them into the world. I'm pretty excited about February of a snowboarding trip that's coming up. That's exciting for me. And we've got some more really great episodes coming up. I think that's it. Thank you so much for being here. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. That really helps the the word to spread. If you can subscribe to the show, um, like it. If you're inspired to leave a review, that means a lot to me. And it really does help the show to grow and to reach more people so all of our experts can have their voices out there and, and hopefully help someone. Thank you so much for being here and enjoy this episode with Karen. She is a delight. Hi, and thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Pink Cloud. This is your host, Dr. Alice Kirby. And today I have with me Ms. Karen O'Connor. And Karen is an amazing woman. She runs and hosts the podcast Menopause Married to Motherhood. 
And I want to read just a little bit from her bio because I love, I just love how it's written. So after raising four children, Karen found herself smack bag in the middle of menopause and with zero idea of what to do with her life. Depressed, lonely, and majorly hormonal, she was shamefully convinced she was the only person who felt this way, as every other woman she knew seemed to have their act together. But as she began to talk to people, she realized that most women going through midlife experience a similar sort of thing. She also realized that even though menopause is something that 50% of the population will experience, it's neither understood nor discussed enough. The podcast and the blog Karen has attached to her website is Karen's way of doing her bit to change that and to spread information. So thank you so much for being here, Karen. It's a pleasure. You're very welcome. I'm so glad to be here. It's fantastic. I, I was, as you were reading that out then, I'm going, did I write that? That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it does. I just revisited it right before we hopped on. I was like, oh, I'm just going to read this whole thing. Cause I feel like from what I know of you, it really expresses your personality too. Like just the, the phrasing and it's kind of punchy and, and a very honest, but fun. So it seems yeah. quite, quite reflective of you. Um, so I know when we spoke the other day, you talked to that, you, t- you told me a little bit about your podcast and that you have been talking to a lot of women who are going through menopause, you who, have been through menopause and just gathering different stories and get different, you know, levels of expertise or, or areas of, um, of knowledge that I think a lot of people don't have. I know when I think about menopause, it just seems terrifying. And I really stop thinking about it right away. (laughs) Pretend I, I'm not going to have to deal with that, but I know that someday, you know, as most women, I will. So I wondered if you could share some of Maybe just share a little bit about your own experience with menopause and then also some of the the things that you've learned. And I know that's a really a broad and a big question, but some of the sort of top top things that you found really interesting or that were shifted your perspective around menopause. Yeah, no, it's actually perfect because I think the big thing for me was I didn't realize or understand that menopause was actually going to change who I was. So it actually changed my personality. And I feel like I need to say to every guy or every partner of every woman across the world is you are not going to be in a relationship with the same person for several years. Like you might get really lucky. She might go through menopause like nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong and it's just a little bit of a blip. But for a lot of us, it is massive. And I didn't know that. And that was the main reason to want to start the blog and to want to um, start the podcast is because we've lost community as women. You know, we go off and we're in our little nuclear families now when we move away from our families. I'm halfway across the world. I'm from the UK. All my family are over there. So the knowledge and the experiences are not passed on or talked about. Like when I was talking to, I've got a 21, I've got four children. I've got a 21 year old daughter and I was talking to her the other week. She wasn't even aware, for example, that when you have a baby, it changes your body per, uh, permanently. It's mm. permanent. She's like, no, 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 no. I have the baby, my tummy expands and then it goes back to normal. I'm like, oh, darling. no. I think that's such another huge misconception. And like it's projected (laughs) in the media and all these like celeb magazines. Like you'll just bounce back after baby, which is so biologically like 
incorrect. It's it's not going to happen. Yeah. No. And the other thing, the other big thing that I really struggled with and that um, this is something that I massively, so apart from sharing information and connecting women so that we can talk about this, because this shouldn't be a hidden topic. Mm -hmm. It's something that is naturally occurring, like menstruation, getting pregnant. It's a natural process in our lives. And we need to let people know that it's actually okay. So when we were talking the other day, I found I was saying that I found out a few months ago that in Native American society and in the Pacific Islander societies, menopause is counted as significant a transition in life as puberty. And it's counted as, um, as important as that in that the woman, how they view it is something like this. Now, let me just say right here, I'm not an expert. I know a lot of stuff and I've got a lot of information in my head, not an expert. This is just my interpretation of what I've been told. So if Thank anybody you. knows exactly what the, the belief is, that'd be great if they'd like to share. But my, my understanding of the belief is that when a woman is in childbearing years, their energy on all levels, psychologically, spiritually, um, physically, everything, emotionally, goes into raising and bearing children. That's what it's all about. But once a a woman stops menstruating, they view it as her retaining her wisdom rather than giving it away to others. And the minute she retains her wisdom, she becomes a wise woman. And she can use that for the benefit of society and the community as a whole, as opposed to just giving it to a few individual people. And so they view that as hugely beneficial to society. Whereas in Western society, it's like, oh, well, once you've reached, you know, you're under childbearing rears, uh, childbearing rears, child, <laughs> childbearing years, you, you've lost your use. You, you're then useless. You're just sitting around waiting to die. And that's a really harsh interpretation. But if you actually think about it, that is what is going on. You're, you've reached the end of your useful life. And now you're just going to get older and, you know, just go over there, be a granny for a while until you die. That's, that's basically how it is. And no no wonder we don't talk about it. That's the most depressing thing I think I've ever heard. I know, isn't it? eh? It's such a terrible perspective. I like the first one better with the, um, the wise woman. That's so great. Why don't we embrace that? Yeah. And that's what I want that when somebody told me that I'm like, Oh, that's what I really want to get across to people. What if menopause was viewed as well, that's us retaining our wisdom and our energy and being able to use it to contribute to society as a whole. And that is so much more powerful and so much honest to God that feels so much more it fits better for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, I can do that one. I don't want to. Do, I've got too much energy to want to sit around in a chair and not do anything, you know. Yes. <laughs> and I definitely don't <laughs> want to be a grandma. If my children are listening to this, no, you've got a long, a long way to go before I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your mom. She's wise. We've just determined that. <laughs> it's just been established here and now. It's breaking news. <laughs> you heard it here first, kids. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm sure your kids know that you're wise. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> They've got opinions about that, I can tell you. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Did that answer your question? I tend to go around the world and... Yeah. Oh, I think it's great. I think all this information is so is so good. I'm... <sighs> 
I'm wondering too, just a little bit about the the menopause and perimenopause difference, because I wanted to, I want to ask you like, what are some, you know, kind of telltale signs and symptoms that menopause is starting to happen? I think we all know some common ones like hot flashes and things like that, but especially, you know, as a woman, I'm 43 and I feel like the perimenopause is probably knocking on my door sooner rather than later. And uh, this is quite a self-serving question, but I know some of my listeners are probably interested as well of, you know, what are some things, like what is perimenopause? I know it means before menopause, but like what are some yeah. things associated with um, that portion of like pre-menopause and how do we, how can we sort of understand like that might be what's happening to us and be able to em- embrace it or at least be aware of it so we're not completely caught off guard and thinking, you know, the world is ending. Yeah. So menopause is actually a specific point in time. It's not, so menopause is the moment that is two years after your last period. Hmm. That's menopause. Everything up to that is perimenopause. Everything after that is postmenopause. So we use menopause as a term incorrectly. We call it going through the menopause, but it's actually only like a minute or a split second, whatever. It's only a moment in time. So perimenopause is the time when your body is stopping producing estrogen and you stop, you, you cease menstruating. It can happen for some people. It's like literally they, they just kind of stop their periods over a few years. And that is all of the, the um, effects that they have on it. For a lot of us, there, so there are 34 I think it's 34, so 34, 36, different known symptoms of menopause and they've all got sub-symptoms. Now, I didn't know that. If somebody had told me that the weird rashes that I'd get because I thought, am I allergic to my soap because I got all these weird rashes like under my boobs and under my arms and they were as itchy as all hell, like it was horrible. Another friend got them in her head. She thought she had headlights and she kept going to her kids. What's wrong with my, have I got lice? Have I got lice? Wow. But that's something, I don't know why it's caused, but that is something that a lot of women um, experience. So the hot flashes is just the one that's known. But even I was watching a program, there was a program on the ABC, uh, Australian Broadcasting Corporation over here. And they interviewed about six women about their experiences through menopause. And even the hot flashes was different for every one of them the experience of it was different. So some people just feel like it's a slow, you can feel it coming on. For me, I feel like it's an adrenaline rush. It's like, bang, it's literally as sharp as that. It's like, holy cow, I can feel my heart. It feels like my heart's palpitating and I come out in goosebumps and then I just break out in this massive sweat. It's like a massive adrenaline rush. It's not like that for some people. And mine, I'd only be like that for a few minutes. I know friends who she literally had to have the fan on a desk mm-hmm. and it would last an hour or more where she'd just be dripping in sweat. It's different for all of us. And I think that's the problem, you know, that my advice would be there's a lot of medical sites um, that will list out all of the the different things you can, the different um, impacts that it can have. But I think the big one for me and the one that everybody needs to be most aware of is the issue with sleep. So because your body's not producing the correct hormones when you get to menopause, it's something to do with 
you're not getting the serotonin, which causes the depression. So your brain doesn't produce the serotonin. And then you also don't get any deep sleep. And when, so you know, when you wake up in the morning, you've had a rubbish sleep and you go, God, I just feel really fuzzy headed. That is because, again, this is me in my layman's talk, right? Sure. Your brain, um, when you go into deep sleep, your brain in effect kind of shrinks and squeezes out all the toxins and the, the debris and all the stuff that it doesn't want, all the waste, and it goes into your cerebral fluid and then it's, it's eliminated from your body, I think through your lymphatic system, but don't quote me on that. It's eliminated from your body. If you don't have deep sleep, your brain's still full of all this gunk and all mm. this waste product. One of the side effects of menopause is you don't get deep sleep. That's one of the most common side effects. And then when you don't get deep sleep, you know, quite apart from the fact that you feel fuzzy headed and you can't string a sentence together because you can't remember anything. It also leads to depression. And then you also get stressed because you're not sleeping and why you're depressed. This is what happened to me. And I went to the doctor and what, one of the things that is really, uh, I suppose, disturbing, frightening for me is that when I went to the doctor and it was a female doctor, she just said, oh yeah, you're perimenopausal, take these antidepressants for a few years and it'll be over then. You won't need them after a while. That was literally the end, the sum of her advice. And the, oh, the only other advice she said to me was, I'll give you a note to get, I'll give you a referral to go and see a psychologist to, to kind of help you through, but there's nothing you can do. Just kind of sit back and live through it and then you'll be fine. Isn't that like, depressing? Was there even any talk of like hormone replacement or anything like that? I, I, we just hand out antidepressants like candy in this country. I hear this so frequently, like, oh, you're a little down here. Have this. It's like, well, yeah. there's a million other things to try first. Yeah. And um, why wasn't it, you, you know, she didn't, she kind of didn't relate to it to menopause. She just said, come back if you, if you need them in six months time. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like, oh, there was no explanation of this is your hormones. This is the sleep not working. This is how you can handle it. Like my husband, bless him. I'm so fortunate to have my husband. He must have bought me every single book on sleep that there is on the market. <laughs> just trying to get me you know to sleep again because I'm like I'd be awake at three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning just totally unable to sleep and a friend of mine said she got between three and four hours sleep for about 10 years wow that's so rough did your did anything help your sleep to regulate I so I did the whole um sleep habit things so the bedtime Mm -hmm. routine and I've looked at food I ended up doing an, an an elimination diet um, to try and find out what impacted me, what didn't. Because that's the other thing. When your hormones change, your digestion changes as well because it's all connected. Absolutely. And so all of a sudden, I found myself intolerant to all this stuff that I'd been eating my entire life. I'm like, excuse me, this is, I really like bread. I really mm-hmm. like bread and now I can't eat it. It's like, that's so not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fair. It's not fair. <laughs> so... There's just a lot of stuff, um, yeah, with your sleep habits. I found the best thing for the hot flashes is, oh, it's Hilda Hemmer's Herbals, uh, Swedish Bitters. Another lady swears by Remy Femin, and they've both got the same ingredient, black cohosh. That's it, black cohosh, which is an American, it's actually an American herb. But those ones 
in their different forms, you know, so there's quite a few products on the market. So Hilda Hemmer's Herbals, Swedish Bitters, and Remy Femin, um, R-E-M-I-F-E-M-I-N. Those two are the ones I know have worked for a lot of people. But there's a, it, again, this is, it, there's going to be a lot of trial and error because all our hormones are different, all our bodies are different. What works for me isn't going to work for somebody else and vice versa. So, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's got to be like what's so exhausting and probably why we don't have more of a streamlined conversation about it because it is so different for everyone. Like even just 36 different signs or symptoms of menopause, that's a lot. Yeah. You know, imagine know. like trying to keep track of five. If you if you get a cold, you're like, okay, you know, my throat's sore, I have a runny nose, I'm sick to my stomach. And that's like, it's hard to keep track of more than five. That was only three and I lost count. Well, it, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, they, there's, there's been this thing for about 30 years now about premenstrual tension, but everybody knows about premenstrual tension. And we all know, men and women, all of us know that, you know, the hormones have an impact on how we are. Menopause is like hormones on speed. It's like your teenage years in reverse. So if you expect to go into it with, okay, I'm going to go through this period of life and I might be a teenager again. I might not, but that just gives you a framework for an explanation. Um, a friend of mine quite early on in her perimenopause, when she started feeling a bit hormonal, she said, I can't, you know, I'm not due on my period. I don't know what's going on. I'm just like hormonal and crabby and really short tempered with the kids. She sat her family down and she said, look, this is going to be what's happening. I might be really bad tempered and I might not be able to help it. So if I know I'm just going to pay attention to myself and if I know that I'm going to have a bad day, I'll just come out and I'll say to you all, I am not fit for human consumption. Just leave me alone today. Go away mm. and I'll talk to you tomorrow. And that was just, that just gave her permission. It gave her the freedom to be okay with where she was at, but it also gave her family the understanding. They hadn't done anything wrong. There was nothing wrong. Just, you know, this is, this is what's going on right now. Because it's, it, the changes are huge and it does turn you into a different person for a while I like that was me I'm like I, I you feel like you've lost yourself you're just like holy cow what is going on here this is not right I I can't string a sentence together I've got no focus I can't sleep I really don't like being around my kids I really don't want to actually go out and talk to anybody and socialize I can't do this and why you know you just you've end up thinking there's something wrong with you when in fact it's just something you're going through and it's temporary it's not going to be forever and that is so important to know that it's not going to be forever it's just this little period that you're going through and then you come out of it and life's different again Mm. I think that puts it in such a nice context all of those things you said like to, to a communicate with your family, like your, um, like your friend did of, of saying like, this is what's going to happen. This is where we are. Like even imagine as we go through the different phases of our hormonal cycles, just being able to communicate with the people around us, like, I'm not going to have a lot of energy on like yeah. this day, this day, this day, because I know I'm going to have a massive dip in my hormones. So I'm not going to do the big projects or I'm not going to, you know, cook dinner that day. We're getting takeout on those nights. And just to get, create that container or that understanding among you know, first and foremost yourself, but then the, the people that you share, you know, love and space with. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. 
And then the other piece too, just knowing it's not going to last forever. I think that does a whole bunch just to, I don't know, offer some relief, like enable us to, to make it through with more resilience, I guess, knowing that, well, this is, let's be curious about it if we can and, and try to do some research and try some of these herbs and, you know, track things. Did you find like, I know it's not cyclical the way like our um, menstruation cycles are, but I'm curious if you did any sort of like tracking and, and noticed um, of your own symptoms or like if there were patterns to anything or if it was just this conglomerate of, of symptoms would happen sometimes during this time period. I, I didn't know because I wasn't aware of what I was going to go through. And that's a big missing for me. You know, I mean, I've never really had premenstrual tension or, or anything like that. So it was just a real shock. I honest to God thought I was losing my mind. Hmm. I really just thought I was losing it. And that I don't want other women to go through that. And I don't want their partners to go through what my husband went through going, what on earth is wrong with my wife? This is not the woman I married, you know? Um, and my husband's been great, but he said to me on several occasions, he's actually written a list of pros and cons of staying with me. Unfortunately, the pros outweighed the cons, but it's like, wow, you know, that he feels the need. I was so different and so um, unsure of myself and so sick. that and, and the sickness comes from not understanding. If I'd known... I was just hormonal and I was just going through menopause and it was actually okay. That would have been such a difference. You know, what you resist persists. So me yeah. going, oh my God, there's something wrong. Every time I felt off just made it all worse. So that just like, okay, oh, today I'm, you know, I'm covered in rashes, right? I'll take an antihistamine, might make me sleep a bit, but at least I won't be as itchy and, you know, bleeding because I've scratched all my rash in my sleep mm -hmm. or, um, you know, your stomach, your gut, you know, I've got thrush again. Oh, dear God in heaven, I've got to go take some more um, probiotics. But at least if you know, you can prepare for it and know that that's what's going to happen. I just didn't know. Yeah. So I've got no idea to answer your question. I've got no idea whether it was cyclical. And I suspect not because like teenage years, your hormones are up, down, all over the place. It you can't seems predict like them that. from one day to the other. Right. And it, it really is. So my poor daughter, my youngest daughter, she was going through puberty as I'm going through menopause and it really wasn't pretty nice. Sounds like a fun house. <laughs> <laughs> wasn't nice. <laughs> God, just parenting a teenager. I'm like, God love you. God love anyone who is a parent. I have so much respect for, for my own mom and all the moms and the dads out oh, there. Yeah. Like you were doing some important work. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult. And especially if you're going through it when you do have kids and you've got to raise kids and you know you have to provide your kids with a certainty and there's no certainty that I was going to be able to, that they were actually going to be able to talk to me some days. But I, again, I thought that was just me. I yeah. thought there was just something wrong, but there's nothing wrong. That's just, you know, if you go into it going, okay, <laughs> that's how I'm feeling. How am I going to deal with this and work it out before that day gets there? Do you know what I mean? So you've got to, yes. you've got a plan B, right? I, I'm yeah. I feel like this plan B is I do this. Right. I think we underestimate planning so much. And, um, mm. 
around things like this with our hormonal cycles, with this period of time that could be, you know, five years, could be one year, could be 10. Um, but just to know like, yes, we can do this. And if this happens, because this might happen, because this is some of the things that we're experiencing, um, then we can also do this. I feel like it would be useful too to even just like start documenting. I really love tracking. I'm tracking my own cycles right now. I think I told you that. And it's like, I'm really into it. It feels very empowering for me to, to know and to try to pinpoint patterns and to talk to my partner about, you know, like I'm cooking dinner or I'm not. And anyways, um, I think the idea, and I don't know if anyone that you talk to does this, of just like self-documenting some of your own symptoms. And then, then again, it just creates this better, like picnic basket of what you can expect. And, and so like you were saying, there's, then, you know, more, there's nothing wrong with you. You're less caught off guard. Um, I feel like that would be helpful. I'll file that away in my, my own brain for later use. I think it is. And, and the big one is communication. Yeah. Like I, because I thought there was something wrong with me, I didn't want to talk about it mm-hmm. because you know, it's like, Oh, nobody else feels like this, but most women do to some extent or another some don't but to some extent or another most women feel like what on earth is going on um and they feel lost because all of a sudden you know it's at that point where your children are leaving home as well or you know uh, and for me I was a stay-at-home mum I'd you know I've got four children I was a stay-at-home mum so I've been out of the, oh, I'm saying I've been out of the workforce. We actually have our own business. So I got, you know, I can get back into the business, but I honest to God felt that I was so wrong at that point that what could I do? Why would I, I couldn't contribute to anybody. I didn't have anything to contribute. So there's this transition from being, having one role to having another one that, you know, if, if you've got kids, that role usually coincides with around the time you're going through menopause, which exacerbates everything because you've got that grief of your children leaving home and everything changing. Life's not going to be the same again, mixed in with the whole hormonal anxiety ridden, sleep deprived menopause. And I'm making it sound terrible. Get to the other side of it. I'm sorry. I'm 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 scared. (laughs) No, I think you're painting a really realistic picture about what a lot of women go through. And it's probably so relieving for people to hear you say this and for that light to ring on. I'm like, I'm not crazy. This is just what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, yes. I mean, it goes back to that thing that I keep repeating. I felt so alone. Like I was the only one in the entire history of the universe ever to feel that way. And so I couldn't talk to anybody, but when I did start talking to people, as I started coming out of it, they're all like, Oh, that's totally how I felt. Oh my God. Yeah. You've just, you've just said how I felt. So it's so important to just know that this is going to happen and you're going to feel you might may or may not feel rubbish on some level. And you're going to be a different person and just prepare, communicate, communicate is the biggest thing. So the preparation and the planning is actually you communicating to yourself about what's going on and about what you can do. Okay, so when I feel really bad, this is what I can do. And you've got a path there to follow. If you haven't got a path and you're feeling that bad, you simply don't have the energy or the brain power to know what to do part of the time. So it's just preparing for yourself and being able to communicate to yourself. It's okay. This is what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's like being very kind to yourself through that and, and having those plans. That makes so much sense too, to not leave it on you when you are exhausted and massively hormonal and not sleeping and fuzzy brain to then try to come up with the plan, but to have that already, you know, in your head or, or written down, if you're, you know, tracking everything, <laughs> you can have some, some pages just of different plans. Um, yeah. And I, I really like this topic too, because this has come up in, um, you know, I work a lot with sobriety and sober women. And this podcast, Beyond the Pink Cloud, is really dedicated for life as we, you know, go through recovery and, and now we embrace these sober lives and, and trying to, to take in as much information about all the other important aspects of, of life, which is, um, there's a lot, you know, <laughs> it's, life is big. But I think this one is especially important because I've heard from multiple women that menopause can be a really tricky time for relapse. And I think after hearing you describe all of these things, uh, I can see why, especially like your whole world is shifted. And so I think with, you know, if that's a concern for anyone listening, or maybe you've experienced that yourself or you're experiencing it now to just to take all of this really into account. And again, you know, make a plan. Maybe you need more of a support structure. Maybe your recovery needs to look a little bit different than it has. Um, but it's something I wanted to, to really address because I've heard multiple women um, voice this, like, well, I had a relapse because I felt crazy and, and everything and I felt isolated and um, things like that, which is just, I, I feel like both dealing with addiction and dealing with menopause are really difficult things on their own. And then trying to like navigate them together is just more, um, more moving pieces, I suppose. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you, if you've been in that situation of addiction uh, and yeah, and you hit menopause and you're not aware of what goes on, um, that would be like, you just want to go back to doing what, you know, just take yourself out of the world because yeah, yeah it's, it is in, in some way, oh, it is in some ways a shock to the system. It is traumatic because mm. you do, your personality does change. Like I'm not the same. I mean, we're all growing, but it's like your personality changes like in puberty. And I keep harking back to that because it's the only, it's the only marker that we've got for this kind of transition is puberty. We all understand that a kid going into puberty at one end is not the same person going through puberty and coming out the other end. If we're aware of that going into menopause, then we can take that into account. You're not going to be the same person when you come out because your brain's going to work in different ways because you've gone through this big trauma. But it is traumatic and it does need managing and it also needs healing and caring for. So, you know, your nutrition and your support system that you've got around you, yoga even. I'm, I was talking to a friend of mine on the podcast a few couple of months ago now and she, she was saying that there are actually specific um, series of moves in yoga that you can use to help relieve wow. symptoms of menopause. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm not a yoga person anyway, but apparently there are specific moves. So she said, you know, go to your, go and talk to yoga practitioners and find out if they know the specific moves. So like, you know, if you're having trouble with your gut to relieve that kind of thing, if you can't sleep to relieve that kind of thing, if you're feeling anxious to relieve that kind of thing, and then they put them all together and you do X, Y, Z, A, B, C, and you come out of it feeling better. All of those things need to be, we can take them into account and utilize them. This for me is just all about knowledge. It's all about 
pre-warned, forewarned is forearmed, whatever the saying is, you know. If you That's know good. stuff is going to happen, then prepare for it. And if it doesn't happen, awesome, good on you. But at least you, you've got a plan in place to deal with it. You're yeah. so wise. See, you are a wise woman. Thank you. We've got proof here. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I just, I think that's, it is really wise. And it's, again, it, it bothers me. And I think I get a little angry that this just isn't more common knowledge or, or common vernacular. And it really is this, this thing where it's like women should almost be, I'm saying, I feel like this is what is the, the common story. And I was like, it's almost something we should be ashamed of, or we should try to hide almost like menstruation where it's like, oh, we, we, this happens to every woman on the planet. Like you said, 50% of the population, maybe more, but somehow we just don't, we just try to sweep it under the rug. And I, uh, it drives me insane. Like maybe this is the patriarchy, you know, trying to like crush us down is these weird systemic, um, repression really against, up against the, the divine feminine or against women. And not, I'm not saying by any one person in particular, but I mean, it's true. We don't have a lot of education around this. And, and even that story with like going to your doctor and, oh, here, try some antidepressants. And yeah, I don't know. I'm just getting fired up for just to, yeah, just no, I, I feel totally like it. agree with you. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's like, I think we were saying the other day, you know, we'd hear our parents or grandparents, they could talk about the women's problems. Right. You know, it'd be in whispers and behind their hands. It, there's no open conversation it's like seriously it's almost a taboo topic this is almost a taboo topic and but it's something that needs to be discussed I don't want my daughters going through this without knowing what to expect you know and and having it be okay yeah you know it's it's okay that you're going through this it's natural it's going to happen and there's nothing wrong with it but also I want my sons to know that this is going to happen to their partners um, and for them to be understanding. I have a, I have a, a group, a menopause group um, on Facebook. And one of the ladies in there was saying that her husband thinks she's making it all up and it's just an excuse for bad behavior. Wow. So she can't be the only one who's in that situation. Definitely not. And that's not acceptable. But the limit of understanding about um, how the hormones actually affect the body and the brain is just so limited. It, we've got no idea. We're only just starting to actually discover it. And I was reading a book a, a few months ago and it was saying that of, now let me have a think exactly what it was all about. So they were doing studies on, um, something to do with hormones i can't remember exactly what it was but then they realized that they were actually doing because they were doing lab rat studies on medicines it was something to do with medicines they were doing lab rat studies but they do them on the male rats because they want to keep the female rats because they they're the ones that do the babies yeah. so they actually have no idea how the different medications impact women and their hormones, how it changes the hormones. And so the US um, authorities said they had to start bringing in female test subjects, both sort of from the rats and all the way through, but it's still only at 10%. Yeah. Isn't it's not only crazy? 10% females. So we actually don't know 
how the hormones impact our bodies, how it impacts our neurologies, because all of the tests are done on male subjects or more than 90% of them yeah. are done Elisa, on male subjects. Elisa Vitti, or Elisa Vitti talks about this in her book too. She's another one who's really big on the cycle syncing and understanding your hormones through the phases of your cycle. But one of the things that she was really passionate about sharing is this same thing that in most of these research subjects, it was either done on, on males, like from all kinds of things like exercise tolerance and different diets, intermittent fasting and things like that, uh, were all done on male subjects or women who were like beyond menopause. So their hormones were sort of back to a stable place. And yes, I don't know what the number is, but I'd imagine it was around the same 10%, very small percentage. And I think that's why we, we, we have doctors who are like, I don't know, um, yeah. try this. No, because Here's the, yeah, they genuinely don't know. They genuinely don't know that like something else I find out in that book and I'll find the name of it and, and email it to you. But she, she was saying that the female, so the clitoris and I ha you can delete this if you want, but the clitoris, you could say clitoris on this podcast. Thank you. Good. <laughs> That was actually only 3D mapped out in something like 2009. No way. Straight up. How so ridiculous crazy. is that? Like we have it that it's just a little bit on the outside, but it's actually not. It encompasses our entire pelvic girdle. So right. it actually goes all the way past our rectum. So right from the front near the urethra, and it also goes all the way past our rectum. We didn't know that. They didn't know that till 2009. Like, hello? Yeah. Isn't that wild? And think of all the nerve endings in there and, and even, you know, women postpartum and try trying to actually retone those muscles. I mean, it's very important to know what's happening. And well, yeah, don't even get me started talking on that because I've had a heap of operations for, um, for, God. yeah. Um, they used faucets on me on my eldest. Oh. And, um, so I've got all kinds of internal prolapses, but they don't tell you, you know, the, when the pelvic floor is torn, when they use, uh, particularly when they use forceps or something like that, but it can happen if you've got a big baby, they actually can't repair the pelvic floor still it, because it's attached to the, uh, the pelvic bone at the front and the back, and they've got no way of reattaching it. So it's kind of like a stringy hammock like on either sling. side of the, it's like a sling, but it is, it's not a solid piece. It's strings. Mm -hmm. And, um, and when they kind of come away, there's still no way of reattaching them. So you're always going to be off kilter. Your pelvis is never going to be level or equal again because one side's going to be trying to compensate for the other side. Yeah. I, I didn't, I only found that out earlier this year. Like, I seriously. Know, it's crazy. And I want to give a shout out to all of my physical therapy colleagues who do pelvic floor work who do have some strategies and techniques. So if you're listening to this and your doctor says there's nothing you can do, please find a, a physical therapist who's skilled in pelvic floor work because there, there are things that you can do. I personally don't know them. That's not the work I do, but I have some amazing colleagues who do it. So don't listen. If someone says, that's it, you're just going to pee for the rest of your life. Every time you laugh, there are things that you could do. Even if the, the hammock can't be completely repaired, there are, there is, yes. you know, some, some neuromuscular activation and techniques that um, someone skilled in this area can help you with. So. Yeah. And then if you're in Australia, I know some great oh, physios as well that can help you. Covering continents today. I know. Um, cool. Yeah. Karen, thank you so much. I love this conversation and it's just such good information. I, I think people who are listening will get a lot out of it. 
And before we start wrapping up, is there any, any projects that you're working on or anything that you want to pitch or um, any piece of advice that you feel like we didn't get to that you really want the listeners to know? I, I think we've covered everything. I think the only thing I can say is be in a community and be in a conversation. So make sure that you're communicating and you're talking not just to other women, but to members of your family. Um, I have a group on Facebook, if anybody would like to join it, it's called Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood um, and the website as well. I don't do any courses or anything, but I just, I just want to share people's stories. So if you, if you are going through this, reach out to me. Seriously, I'm on Facebook. It's a public profile. Just direct message me or tag me on something. Do what, but just get in touch. Don't sit and feel like you're all alone and going through this all alone. I think that's, that's the only thing that I want to get across. Yeah. Yeah. That's great information. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for telling us about the community too. I, I was going to ask if you offered that in conjunction with the podcast. Yeah. So I'm glad to hear that you do. Yeah. We have some great women in there. It's like, you got to have a sense of humor to be in my group, as you can imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Good. I think that makes everything in life easier, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> totally does. Yeah. Totally does. We don't make, we do make fun of, our, of menopause, but mostly we make fun of ourselves. You know, it's not laughing at it, at it. It's laughing with it just at the you know the absurdity of the whole thing it's like dear god in heaven like i'm 50 odd years old and i feel like i'm 14 and spotty and hormonal again <laughs> i think that's great that i love your energy and i love that you bring humor to it and and you're clearly so passionate about about helping other women to to not have to go through it alone it's yes it's, yeah it's really important yes i am thank you i so appreciate having you having me on my pot on oh, Right, menopause brain. This is what it does. Can't string a sentence together sometimes. You open your mouth and you go, what was that? Thank you for having me on your podcast. That was what yeah, I was Yeah, my pleasure, Karen. Thanks for being here. And thanks everyone for listening. We will see you yeah, next thank time. You.